Welcome to Behind the Curtain, Ellie Opera's podcast series in which we look deeply at the creative process and explore opera's enduring themes and power to move us. In this episode, the director for Omar, Keneza Shaw, and production designer Christopher Myers discuss their collaboration, artistry, and the importance of telling Omar Ibn Said's story. Learn more about Omar at laopera.org. My name is Christopher Myers. I'm the production designer for Omar. I am excited to talk with you today, Christopher, about the process of collaborating together. Is this your first opera? What are you bringing to it? Are you going to tell us? This is the first opera I've ever had this kind of intimacy with, this kind of closeness with, uh, and it's been thrilling. It's been daunting. It's been exciting. It's also been like full of fear. It's a opera about heavy things that are very personal to me and to us and in that it feels almost like a sense of responsibility and that sense of responsibility is both a challenge and a gift you have written projects that are on ethics and one of the things that is exciting for me about collaborating with you on designing is this sense of building a vocabulary through which to tell a story. And as I've been thinking about how to think about Omar Ibn Said's life, how to frame the telling of his story, we've talked a lot about the context of languages in his life, the context of cultural languages, of spiritual languages, of materials, languages of materials, of place, and how ultimately he ends up holding all of these languages simultaneously. I think that what you bring up about the idea of languages, that we're all talking and speaking so many languages, when we make theater, when we make opera especially, there are so many languages at play, and that's part of what's so exciting about the medium itself, that you can think not only in the languages of the libretto, the words that are being sung, but also in terms of the languages of like fashion in West Africa or the language of architecture or the language of the stage or the language of dance. The thing about opera is that it's like a big, big basket and it holds all of that. And it was, it's able to hold all of that through the careful eye of the director. But it's, it's interesting, that sense of holding all of these different kinds of languages what are some of the languages that you wanted to bring to this project early on? I think what excites me most about opera for me is that it has always been a place that can hold more than one thing at the same time. So building the languages, building the lexicons around Omar, I think has been very dramaturgical. Thinking about American slavery, Think about the institution of American chattel slavery as a new institution in the world, and that, of course, slavery had existed before, but the particularities of how the violences of American slavery played out connected so much to language, as we've talked about, and this naming of a permanent condition attached to the body, and that that was, in fact, new. So I think in developing Omar, holding that understanding of how American slavery has written the world's history through this 
naming of this condition attached to the body and its obsession with language as a tool to inflict violence such that the most sacrosanct law was that you couldn't teach an enslaved person to read or write. In telling Omar's story, I was interested in how that frame could be how we understand music and how we look at the stage. And so some of the first music we hear in, in the overture, you know, the, the migrant woman at the doors of the river, you hear everything from Persian to the blues to atomic I often say this thing that we are the people who start this idea of what it means to be both of a place and not of a place. We are, as African Americans, the, the, you know, the first hyphenates, the first incompletely identified humans. Um, and that liminal space that we inhabit flows throughout our work, flows throughout our cultural production, and it's interesting to think about ways to put that liminality, that hyphenate life on stage, to think about how to incorporate all of this cultural material, but have it still hew close to a certain kind of through line of storytelling of an individual's life that, it, that you know, so often I feel like African-Americans are some of the few people who are in the world who are constantly being asked about the state of African-Americans. It's an odd sort of responsibility and sort of, a, what's, what's the word, synecdoche? This idea that we should just choose one person and then ask, what do you think about African-Americans, you know? And so in that, we get to build a through line um, that holds all different kinds of identities, that holds all different kinds of relationships to the condition of being enslaved, um, all kinds of relationships to violence, both spiritual violence and political violence and the violence of miseducation, but also the violence that is wrought upon our bodies in various ways through labor, through beating and this kind of thing. I think that one of the things that was most exciting to me in early conversations with you about this work was the ways that you were thinking about the language of violence and how to translate the language of violence to the stage in a way that wasn't, on one hand, denying the violence, but on the other hand, um, in no way were you interested in kind of recreating the violence, reproducing the violence as something to be consumed on a stage. And I think that that question is a question of languages that you have handled very well. I'm interested in some of the thoughts that you've had around that. Yeah, it's for me it's always been how do we tell a publicity that is baked into this institution? That cultural violence is obviously embedded in a lot of different ways through language and meaning. But there is 
the exciting violence on the street is how American anger has been constructed. I think as we translate this onto the stage, it's been important to hold the violence in the world and the violence on the psyche and the violence on the spirit and the kind of triumph of Omar holding himself through through the course of this opera, through the storytelling, through producing producing it for our podcast, which I think is interesting. So excuse us if we start and get lost and we get lost and start again. That might be the clearest um, picture of what it's like to work on something this big. And ultimately, I think it's a matter of telling Omar's story to the audience, and that is not about editing on the page. And that really is absolutely at the core of the opera and everything that I love about how Norman wrote the characters is that they aren't necessarily material depictions of you know people who Omar encountered, but really the spiritual presence of the people who he has encountered and written from, and that he built a third world to hold the story, which I think is very much my job as a director, our job as collaborators, um, building the visual world for this piece that we are not trying to depict a literal reality of Omar's existence. We are trying to build a world in which to carry this story forward. I don't go to the opera for a kitchen sink on a stage. I go to the opera for, for triumph and for contradiction and for inhuman feats of resilience and faith and possibility. And in many ways, I think this is the only form there is a, a phrase that I've maybe heard before, or maybe I'm making up right now, about the banality of oppression. I think I'm lifting from Hannah Arendt's banality of evil, but you're absolutely right. Like Slavery itself seems like it was made of a kind of, almost a boredom of evil, a boredom of pain, a boredom of violence, a kind of environmental oppression that was in every corner and that doesn't make for good storytelling <laughs> also it doesn't really you it's very hard to get at over the course of two two and a half hours but what we do get at is some of the other oddities and remarkable moments this idea that a man writing should have been so remarkable at the time that it made the newspapers. You know, that there was a black man writing. And he was writing partially motivated by faith, partially motivated by 
the desire to set himself apart from that banality of evil that surrounded him and to make that the kind of central moment in this work I think is, is a gift a gift of thinking about what it meant to be enslaved a gift of thinking about the ways that our culture has moved and has not moved in generations. I think that at its best, I think this is an invitation to every audience member who encounters your work to encounter their own intimacy with your story, whether they are the first of their families to sleep upon this soil or whether they've been sleeping on this soil for generations the amount to which this is a story that has defined all of us and defined our understanding of ourselves. Even in terms of the breadth and width of collaborators that we've had to engage, you know, I had at some point calligraphers in Senegal and Sudan writing text for me to kind of mimic the Maghrebi Arabic that Omar wrote um, we have had both dancers and actors, all of the people that you've brought together, including me, thank goodness, um, to tell this story. It just talks about the scope and the width and the breadth of the, what the story is itself. The story can't be told with one person. This is not a um, one-man show, someone sitting at a desk. You couldn't do this story that way because it is precisely a story that spans continents, that spans religious orientations. It's a story about Islam in America. It's a story about the ways in which we have had to wear masks in order to exist. It's a really, really wide-ranging story, and I think that in that it really lives best in the hands of a community of people. I think that opera as a form has always demanded that many different kinds of artists team up together, many different kinds of people gather together to deliver a work. That, for me, is part of what draws me to, to the opera. I think the opera is a place that is fundamentally built on hybridity. Even, even the sounds that we understand as classical sounds have been forged over hundreds of years of cultural exchange. You know, we've talked about the kind of obsession in the West of fixedness and consistency and a desire to categorize and catalog and classify. And there's a way that the opera is actually a place that has always allowed for more than one thing to be true at the same time. And in some way holds some fundamental contradiction to uh, this pillar of Western thought and I am excited about how to utilize that capacity of the opera better because I think the opera has lost itself to some of those lies of the West. It's interesting because a few people have approached you, have approached me talking about kind of spaces of black folks in opera and you realize that when you like really look at opera and you look at Aida and you look at everything from Turandot to Lachme to all the all the operas, 
it's all about people in the West kind of relating to thinking about people who aren't from the West. And there have probably been black folks in opera since the beginning of the beginning. And so we care about that. And we, there is for us a sense of maybe return, a, a sense of, oh, we're just getting together with a bunch of really talented folks to tell a story. And we know that that's already in our DNA, in our communities, in the kind of drama and breadth of our lives. And it doesn't feel so much like a stepping outside of, but more of a return. Absolutely. I hope that each audience member who comes to Omar find their own intimacy with the work and how this story is a story that was built through their life. One of the kind of inspired notes that Kaneza has incorporated into this production is this moment of seeing one of the main singers in, uh, for lack of a better term, civilian clothes, because there is a moment in understanding that particular black man as being the kind of linchpin, the, the fulcrum of a story. And I hope that audiences, as they walk in, can see how large the stories are that flow through our veins. And then also, as they walk out, I hope that they can see every person that they see on the street as being the fulcrum of a story that is just as large, just as harrowing, just as heroic as Omar's. If you enjoyed listening to LA Opera's Behind the Curtain, subscribe and leave a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends on your favorite social media, and we'll see you at the opera.